Hi, this is Liz Ryan, and this is the Work-Related Podcast, episode 20. It's a really exciting episode of the podcast because we have a guest with us, Quia Sari from Berkshire, UK. Quia, thanks for being here. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to join you for this exciting episode. Oh, not in the slightest. It's uh, it's <laughs> my pleasure. Uh, we're going to talk with Quia about her journey and the learning that she got and share some advice. And um, I'd like to start by sharing a little bit of Aquia's uh, bio with you. So Aquia Asari is a healthcare leader, quality assurance specialist and champion for women in STEM. Aquia has spent 20 years building quality systems and processes for the development of new pharmaceutical products and medical devices, growing and leading teams and mentoring junior staff. Quia is the founder and CEO of Professional Women at Work Limited, a networking organization who support and celebrate women in business. Quia coaches students to executives who are looking for a new career, returning to the workplace, who need guidance with job hunting and job interviews, and much more. Quia delivers fun, and engaging workshops for companies as well, and organizations on a variety of topics, ranging from effective communication to diversity and inclusion. So once again, thanks, Aquia. We're going to talk a little bit about your journey to get here and um, just lessons along the way. So That's great. just to get started, how did it all begin? What was the early part, earliest part of your, your journey? Yeah, um, taking me quite well back there, Liz. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I started, um, like most people do, I graduated from university um, in science. It's quite common to, to study a scientific degree of some sorts. So I studied biomedical science. And that's when I graduated back in 2003. I was basically at the start of my exciting career, hoping to be a scientist working in the lab. And yes, that's where my journey started in the beginning. And so you graduated and did you just walk right into your dream job or? Oh, I wish Liz, I wish. <laughs> no, it wasn't that smooth for me, unfortunately. Um, I wasn't one of the few fortunate people that had contacts or anything. So I was fresh out of uni, and applying for jobs absolutely everywhere and not really understanding the process and just getting a ton of rejections and thinking, oh, this is a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. And what I ended up doing was taking on a voluntary job in the end because I got to a point where I was just sitting at home and I was really bored and struggling to find a job. And I thought, well, I might as well take some time to do something um, and I didn't want to fill my days with just applying for jobs and waiting to hear back from recruiters. So, yes, yeah, so I, I took on a voluntary job to begin and, with. And and did you put that volunteer position on your CV? I did, actually. I didn't know it would be something of interest to anybody. So I was doing the voluntary job just for fun for myself. It was just creating these little packs for school kids on nutrition. So I was just sitting down with a pile of envelopes, stuffing them, <laughs> sending out these cute little badges to kids and working in an office environment and just think dreaming about being in the lab at the time. I do remember that. 
And I put it on my CV just because I thought, well, I could add this role on. It's a voluntary job, but who knows? Right. And that really opened the doors for me, actually. Okay. So that's mm. lesson one, right? If you did Absolutely. it, claim it. Yeah, claim it. Mm -hmm. And a conversation starter, I would imagine, on interviews. Yes, because one of the things I realized is there wasn't a lot that I could talk about apart from my university degree. I did a few jobs in retail over the summer, but it wasn't enough of a story for me to, to really get my teeth into and explain what I was doing to make the changes mm -hmm. um, in, in, the, in the community. And I think that was a really good story. And it's like what you say about your dragon slaying stories. It might not be monumentous. I wasn't there making million pounds <laughs> a, a year or anything like that. Sure, but it was sure. it was an interesting story. It was something engaging that I could discuss with I love those it. who were interviewing so me. The mm. voluntary job sounds like helped you get your first professional role. Is that correct? Yes, it did. And what it taught me really is it's not to be discouraged in those early years when you're when you're applying and looking for jobs and just keep be persistent and eventually something will turn up mm -hmm. and if you can't find anything at the time definitely reach out to your network see what's out there you know speak to people take on a voluntary job I would definitely recommend that it was mm -hmm. they even paid for my travel I remember that distinctly because I thought oh you know, I wonder how I'm going to travel and pay for those costs and they even cover those. So okay. nice. Yeah. And so what was the next step then? So I did actually get my dream job. So I thought working in the lab as a scientist and uh, I started at the very bottom of, of the ladder. It's a very long ladder. And <laughs> I in a lab, was just working in a in lab. A lab. Okay. Yeah, it was a virology lab. I remember this. It was my first professional job. I remember wearing my lab coat, feeling very special. And after about a couple of months, I realized that wasn't the environment for me. I actually preferred being in the office environment. That's something mm -hmm. else I learned from the voluntary role. Mm -hmm. And I found the scientific side of where I, what I was doing was running routine samples. I was a bit isolated. I was kind of on my own just mm -hmm. running samples all day or sitting at reception waiting to collect samples. And I realized quite early on that if I wanted to get ahead, it would take a long time in that particular organization because people stay there for a long time in their roles. And to get a promotion or to get ahead, they were saying something like once every five years or so, wow. you know, yeah, someone gets promoted. And I just thought, mm, there must be more. So whilst I was working there, I was quite interested in what happened to the samples, actually. And I started following the trail of those. And I followed some clinical trial samples. And I wondered, oh, clinical trials, that's really interesting to me. And that's how I ended up in research. Oh, my goodness. And so how did you actually engineer that move? Mm. So one of the types of works I was doing was with um, HIV samples and and we were looking at viral loads between the mother and um, the baby and these were actually clinical trial participants I remember asking the porter who was bringing me the samples like where are you getting these samples from mm -hmm. and he said oh it's a clinical trial unit just down the road 
from here. Mm-hmm. So that's when I thought, oh, in my lunch break, I went off to investigate. I love I it. I love it. Follow that <laughs> turned, trail. Yeah, I followed the trail. Exactly. That's how I ended up. Um, you got altitude. You got altitude. <laughs> how does the whole system fit together? Yes. Fit you. Yeah. And yeah, I knocked on the door, introduced myself, and they said, "Yeah, we've got some job openings actually." And uh, it was that simple—a conversation, not even an interview. Wow. And yeah, I was working there in the next month or so. And so, from there, you took on leadership roles, and you grow teams, and you're mentoring. You know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. That yeah, path? I guess one of the key things that stood out to me when I was beginning to sort of go up the ladder, so to speak, was the fact that everything I was learning was either on the job or through mentors that I found myself, allies and mentors in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually go on any course, like learn how to be a manager or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. I was doing was kind of through trial and error and learning my mistakes along the way and sort of saying, okay, that didn't work so well. Maybe change up your approach or do things in a different way. And obviously, like most of us in the workplace, we all have line managers and learning how to navigate those types of relationships with, with your own line managers and I found in the beginning, I think I was probably in my 20s around there, I really took an opportunity to move a lot in my career then. I I wanted a couple of things, I think. Um, firstly, I wanted to travel <laughs> and I wanted to see the world. And I wanted to do a role where I could sort of nosy around. And that's how I became an auditor, actually. That's brilliant brilliant (laughs) how you became an auditor. Yes. You know, um, there's a a, a thought process, a body of knowledge around this idea of boundary spanners, people who, 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 who move through boundaries, functional and organizational, and they 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 do what you did they look more broadly or from altitude and they say how does this piece fit into this piece maybe i should meet this person maybe i should talk to this person and they end up having a better sense of how organizations work and how industries work a sense of how people operate together and it's it's a matter of deciding i guess some people have a natural bent in this direction but deciding to get out of the cubicle mentally to get out of the cubicle and look beyond sounds like you're one thank you Liz that's a nice compliment I think for me I didn't really know what I wanted to do so the only way I could find out was by moving around Mm -hmm. and then seeing what type of environment I like what types of organizations I like to work for and what I was always looking for in the beginning it's, it's really changed over time. It's one thing I've noticed about myself. And I think a lot of people are doing this more and more where your values are becoming even more important almost than the salary because mm-hmm. you want to work somewhere where you're treated well mm-hmm. and in an environment which is positive. 
environment to work in with colleagues that you want to work with sure. and I think that was something I never really factored into my early stages of job hunting it was always about the title the money and and the location was the highest priorities for me it's, mm -hmm. it's de definitely developed over time and don't you feel as you become a manager that becomes even more important because if you have to manage I mean if you're if you're managing a team then the culture and the way that employees are treated just becomes so critical. You can't you can't sell a product you don't believe in, right? And when you're a manager, you're kind of selling the idea of working in this place. Yes, and also I've noticed as well that people are beginning to look at their managers and and sort of say, why. I would like to work with you. What do you have as a quality? Yes. Yes. What is it? Yes. What is it about you that would make me want to work with you? And that wasn't the case before. It was just right. this is your line manager and deal sure. with it. Yeah. Deal with it. And now, yeah, it's definitely changed. Have you had a candidate ask you that on a job interview? Why should I work for you? <laughs> a lot of candidates actually, because I do interview quite a bit, and I have over probably last four years or so candidates might ask me you know why do you like working in sure. a particular company sure. or what kind of management style do you have and I, I remember listening to your podcast and you did talk about that uh, oh, yeah. management yeah. styles so it's a, quite yeah. a tough one to answer but what I always try and give my interview interviewees is some sort of insight as to who I am mm -hmm. I volunteer up that information mm -hmm because maybe some people wouldn't feel comfortable sort of turning the tables around in an interview. Sure. So and I, I open that up. Yeah, I am. I, I like, what I like about interviewing people is, you know, most people start with that sort of rigid structure, you know, <laughs> and when you start talking with them, right. They just relax. It makes and then they open difference. up. It, it does. Difference. You get it's, to see beneath the the exterior. And that's my favorite part because I think, oh, I know who you are a little bit more now. Absolutely. You know, um, 15, 20 years ago, maybe more, it was a fad. It was popular to do like a stress interview. We're going to put this candidate under so much stress and hammer them with questions and freak them out and get them rattled and see how they react. And I heard about that, you know, in the HR community. And I said, no, we're not doing that. I, I, apart from it's kind of abusive. Don't you want a person comfortable? Don't you want to get the real person? Right. And I think one thing is definitely in my mind, I used to think that everyone was looking for the perfect person, the perfect candidate. And I remember just having that mindset of, the perfect candidate is, and I had you know, in my mind what the perfect candidate is. And I know you have so much experience yourself in, in HR, Liz, and when you interview people and you read their CV and then they are in front of you and they're still that perfect candidate, mm -hmm. it's amazing how many times the interviewers actually say, we don't want to hire that person, even though they tick all the boxes and say all the right things. It's because they have no personality that's not quite, you have to bring that personality across. 
right, if right, you don't right. I think you can definitely lose the gig yeah I I couldn't agree with you more as a matter of fact I tell job seekers the the worst thing that can happen on an interview I mean assuming that it, they're cool with you and they're professional and they don't leave you sitting in a conference room for an hour but the worst thing that can happen that's within our control as job seekers is that they don't even remember they talk to you. And it's very common, unfortunately, very common. I used to walk around the building, run around the building saying to managers, so Bob, you met Carolyn yesterday. How did that go? I did, yes, at three o'clock yesterday <laughs> afternoon. I brought her over here myself. She had curly hair and she had a pink <laughs> jacket. I don't remember. She worked at Cisco. She worked at, at She worked at Google. She has a Welsh Corgi. I mean, this is before LinkedIn, so I couldn't show a picture. You could literally don't remember. I'm sorry, Liz. My mind is, I've got a thousand things going on. I feel like I did meet someone yesterday. Well, let's go and see if you have notes from the interview. It's very easy to answer the questions put to you correctly, like correctly, and leave nothing behind. Like, like it's not an oral exam. It's not the owls like in harry potter you know <laughs> where you have to just give the right answer there's no there's no prize for giving the right answer it's bring something out like you said say what you feel yeah and i think that might have been something that helped me in my career a little bit because i don't think that i've ever done an interview where i've just given standard expected answers to everything you know <laughs> um I, the cliches <laughs> what, what's your strengths yeah. and weaknesses you know I never do yeah. those I so just what always... would be an example do you have an example of a time <laughs> when you answered an interview question in an unexpected way <laughs> I think someone asked me once like why did you leave this workplace or why did you leave that workplace and I gave them all the honest answers I still got yeah. the job yeah because yeah yeah that actually led to the conversation yeah. You know, I, I said, honestly, yeah. like that particular person or manager that I had, this was a situation. And they said, oh, gosh, yeah, that sounds yeah. quite challenging. And I said, yes. And I think that understanding between me and the person who interviewed me and asked the question, they knew that I was telling my side of the story, honestly. Yes. Yes. Because I wasn't given the standard answers like, oh, I love that company so much, but it was time to move on. And yeah, 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 yeah. And I think yeah. that confidence, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because that, that type of honesty, I think works in both directions, right? Mm -hmm. If they couldn't handle it, then you don't want to work for them anyway. Mm -hmm. And, and, yes. and the fact that they didn't react badly and they said, I'm really getting the straight, the straight story from Aquia here says they, that they've already, they already know you more and trust you before you even start the job. Yeah, and I think what your your stories, everything you're saying about yourself is even going further to sort of demonstrate who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why those dragon slaying stories are so important because it can show you going above and beyond, thinking outside of the box. Right. right. You know, not trying always to be this perfect, perfect person. Right. What's so great about people are all the differences that we have actually mm -hmm. it's not about being a cookie cutter of someone mm -hmm. else mm 
Mm-hmm. And it takes you a long time to learn that because you've got to shake it out of your system. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's so true. It does take a long time. <laughs> and and speaking of lessons learned, you this path that you've been following and that you're on mm-hmm. has obviously not been trouble-free. It's not been mm-hmm. just like a walk in the park. Could you just share with us some of the challenges along the way and some of the obstacles yeah. that you've had to face? Yeah, I think... You know, I've I've always had situations where I've been fortunate enough to get into some great companies and work for some great organizations. But then there's always that something when <laughs> a situation might arise and it could be just something as simple as, you know, discrimination and, and how I navigate around that. It could be, you know, impossible to to get any recognition of any sort, um, you know, salary negotiation, things like that could be quite challenging mm-hmm. and one of the things that I've learned along the way for myself is you know that I have two options I can stay and continue to maybe be put into a situation that makes me unhappy mm-hmm. where I can't thrive where I can't do my best where you know I could go home and be quite miserable at the end of my day or I could leave mm-hmm. and I found you know that's quite liberating i i think one of the the challenges is obviously we all need most of us need to work for financial reasons of course so it's not always easy to just get up and leave you know you might have to do a a stealth job search but i found for myself that i have a belief that there are so many jobs out there and that's what i tell myself this is not the only job in the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are other jobs out there you know, take the time, look and find something, look for those red flags, which you mentioned in one of your podcasts about the company cultures. And that's really important, actually, for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, if the company culture isn't right for me, it's very difficult to change it. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of people um, stay in companies and say, well, the grass isn't greener on the other side. I hear this quite a bit, like, you know, almost to say, this is the best it's ever going to be. I, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always think there's better out there in terms of, you know, your people. It might not look... Your people, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, this is, I think, still um, a forward view. This view <laughs> that you're that you're talking about, there's something better out there I haven't seen yet, I haven't tried yet. I want to add that experience to my toolkit and my tapestry that I'm building here, um, there is a very widespread belief in, uh, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know type of thing. And I am always having to talk people or trying to talk people out of that, like, but what if it were better? Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's some kind of an idea, like I have a job and I don't like the job, but it's stable. And then I have to say, why is it stable? What, why, what, what gives you that impression? Because these jobs in general are not really that secure. And that isn't, you don't grow your job security by staying in a job longer. That isn't, that doesn't correlate. And it's change is quite difficult for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And especially if you, you're somebody who doesn't change that often, you don't change your jobs. (laughs) You -hmm. You just, to me, I want to stay here for 10 years. Some people actually have a defined set you know, I'm going to stay here for the next 
five years of my life and then you know when I get to the end of five years then I'll consider new and exciting things and it's that time period that can sometimes I hear um when my kids finish school when I Mm -hmm. you know whatever pay off my car um Quia you started a professional organization you want to tell us Mm. a little bit about it Yes, it's called um, Professional Women at Work. It's a company where it's a network for professionals. It's not just for women. It's called Professional Women at Work. But it's for people of all different backgrounds and industries. We come together, share experiences about the complexities of the workplace. Um, And I think it's a great way to network with people. Yes, that's brilliant. I and, think it's it's an opportunity for people to to learn from each other and to grow. Mm-hmm. And so, um, how do people learn more about that? So you can Google my website. <laughs> okay. So it's uh, it's prof as in P R O F women okay. and yes. at atwork.co.uk. Okay, prof women at work.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Love it, and uh, find out all about it professional women at work. So, so wonderful. So I have a couple of more questions for you, if you have time, um, you know, you talked about mentoring and you have a team that you, uh, that you supervise at work and you, I'm sure mentor them in various ways, especially people who are new in their careers. Have you benefited from mentoring yourself? Do you had people? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think at every point of my journey, I've always being quite lucky to find people in every company I've ever worked with organization who and there are people out there who are more than willing to give time to teach you the ropes to share their knowledge with you and I remember just one day (laughs) I was really struggling to use a system and I just you can just walk up to a colleague and say can you help me out here and can start conversations you know mm-hmm. do you you understand this great do you mind showing me a bit more about that it doesn't have to be someone who sits in your team it doesn't have to be your line manager you can find mentors anywhere you can even reach some people I know reach out to people on LinkedIn or you know mm-hmm. through their network as well or go to conferences and meet people and ask them to be their mentors but yes it doesn't even have to be anyone that you specifically work with um, in the same organizational company. But yes, I've I definitely found so much uh, support and advice. And, you know, I also think it's good to be an advocate for other people as well. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. goes both ways. So mm-hmm. when I see someone struggling or if I see someone needing help, I always offer. I think mm-hmm. it's important to help each other. Mm-hmm. And um, your mom, I think was a was a was a role model and a and a force in your <laughs> yes absolutely my mom she had really great work ethics and I think that's where I get mine from fundamentally mm-hmm. she like most people my mother was a very hard worker at home as well as in the workplace mm-hmm. and you know, you just think it's amazing how people manage everything you know and yes she would always be working very hard on time you know she took great pride in the job that she did and I remember having lots of conversations about my mum about the workplace and you know 
she always used to say to me, it's really important to find somewhere that you're going to be happy for five days. You know, most of us work full time. And if you do, you know, you do have to find somewhere that you are going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Great advice. That's great advice. And also the, the, the confidence in embedded in that statement that she knew you, you could do it. She knew you, you deserve yes. that and you would find that place. <laughs> yes. My mom, she, you know, she raised three daughters. We're all very headstrong <laughs> and um, yes, she did a great job. And I think all of us in our own ways, we really want to perform well at work and do great. And, you know, even yourself, Liz, you're one of my mentors. <laughs> I, I, I can't even thank you enough for everything, all the advice you give, not just to me, obviously, to countless of numbers of people. And I'm a human workplace coach. And every week, more or less, speak with the other coaches as well. We all learn from each other. Yes. And I love that community where no one's afraid to ask a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I- I'm so glad that you are in, in the coaching community, Aquia. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. But perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your coaching. Yes. Yeah, so I joined the Human Workplace Coaching Network back in February. And I just took the opportunity because I listened to Liz a lot of podcasts I've read all the blogs such a huge fan and I think I was the first UK coach to sign up I'm taking I'm taking that yeah I think I'll take that little (laughs) Uh Uh, and yes it's just been fantastic so one of the courses I completed was becoming a career coach essentially and it's just been eye-opening rewarding and so insightful human workplace it means a lot to me because I do really want the place of work to get better for all of us I really do and if we can sort of help other people to see how to do that how to interact better with each other how to make someone's day just a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. I think you know, even just saying to somebody, I think with my team in particular, if someone says they got to log off early or they want to go for, you know, a bit of a longer lunch, it's never an issue for me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. never something I think twice about. And I want us to be more like that, where we get less suspicious of yes. people in the workplace yes. and and say, of course, go and enjoy yeah. an extra 20 minutes of sunshine. Who, who would care? Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> more trust, more trust. Yes, right? more trust. Absolutely. Aquia, thank you so, so much for being our very first podcast guest. You're just so lovely to talk to. And it's a wonderful, inspiring story. Now, how can people reach you that'd like to get in touch? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So my my spelling is quite interesting of my name, but it's A-K-U-A. And my surname is Asari, A-S-A-R-E. And as again, you can get me on my website too, profwomenatwork.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Aquia. Thank you, Liz.